Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Continuing our um, series that we began a couple weeks ago, uh, kind of our fall series, we, we started out, went back to the garden, and last week uh, we talked about the places that we run, and the title of my message today is kind of seems uh, weird, right, whenever you feel the heaviness of the prayer requests that were mentioned here today. And even the ones that weren't mentioned, there's a lot of situations and a lot of circumstances that we believe God is in and working. And of course, we believe what his word says, that he's working all things together for the good. And uh, we, we proclaim that, we believe that, and uh, we testify of that because there's been a lot of circumstances and situations we have risen out of or should I say been brought out of uh, by the hand of the Lord and so talking about and title today is the good news the good news and is it possible to experience good news in a world that's filled with such bad news well today we're going to talk about it I know you already realize it's it's possible and we we do celebrate the good news I'm gonna let you be seated Mark chapter 7 is where I'll be today, and uh, you can go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn with me to Mark 7, um, <clears throat> that's, that's where we'll get to, uh, but G, just rehashing a little bit of the last couple of weeks, we, we looked at that word gospel and how the gospel means the good news. And uh, we really kind of dove in and said, okay, well, if there's news that's good, uh, for news to be good, it has to invade bad spaces, right? There has to be some sort of tension, some sort of fear, some existing reality for news to show up and be good. And the last couple of weeks, all we did was the bad news. And uh if you missed the last week or the week before, you can kind of let some air out, you know, right? Except I'm going to rehash it a little bit this morning. <laughs> uh, but we, but we, we kind of dove in and we're talking about people who are really dialed into the brokenness of this world, but not so much the normal uh, man and woman, right? We're, we're not really dialed in, but what happens is there's an occasional lifting of the fog where something bad happens, such as this past weekend, where and the fog gets lifted, right? And and we're we're left standing there thinking, you know, man, this world, this world is a mess. It's a mess. By and large, what you and I are plagued with is this the desire for fullness of life. That and, and that always kind of seems to be in front of us, never quite being able to be enjoyed in the moment. We're always, we're constantly pursuing, constantly moving toward the future in the promise that the future, what the future holds for us is a greater satisfaction than what we're experiencing right now. Amen. We're kind of on our tiptoes, if you will, looking over what's over the horizon. I hope it's better than what's going on right now. The problem with that is, is we have been chasing that future circumstance, that future person 
uh, some of us for a, a really long time uh, uh, with no real lasting satisfaction. Okay, and the problem uh, with that, you know, sure, we can have a moment of satisfaction. We could have a moment uh, uh, of happiness. You can have temporary satisfaction, but the question is this, can you dwell there? Can you dwell in that place? And the answer is this, yes, but not long. You're, you're going to get bored really easily with all of that new stuff, all of that new future you. Uh, last week we said that when we try to fix the fullness issue in our life that we do, we do that by running. All of us are runners here today. Recognize that we're all running from something to something, every single one of us. But these are the, these are the four places that we typically run to. Number one, we looked at ourselves, right? We run to ourselves. Let me just fix my self. Let me get my stuff together. Let me, I can fix me. If anybody's going to help me be a better person, it is me. A better version of me, we think, is the answer to our dissatisfaction. And what we talked about the last couple weeks is that is simply impossible. Because if you feel a lack of satisfaction right now, a better version of you is not going to satisfy. Ten years from now, you guys in your brand new truck with dollar bills falling out of your pocket, living the life with jet skis on the weekends will be just as disappointing to you as you are right now. And I don't mean to pick on the guys in their trucks. Ladies, if your hair is curly now instead of straight and straight now instead of curly, right? That thing, it's a mystery. I know I don't really get it. But, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're after, whatever you want and you get that, you'll still be just as frustrated with you 10 years from now as you are today. Why? Because you are not the answer to your dissatisfaction. And then, uh, and then if we, you know, after we run to ourselves, if we aren't the answer, we'll try to find satisfaction in others, right? And our culture loves this one. A culture that preys on you and tells you that you'll find someone or something that completes you. You're not. You're not going to find that person. And, and, and it's an impossible weight that we put on other people. When we're trying to, I think of parents, and I, I, I wasn't going to say this with the kids in here, but with the kids that are in Sunday school, I see this a lot of times worked out through parents trying to live vicariously through their children. And they put absolutely impossible weights on them. Enjoy your kids. They're a gift from God. Enjoy them. Love them. Raise them up right. All that good stuff. But just be careful with the weights that we put on them with, with certain expectations. And, and I'm getting off my notes here. I didn't want to go too far. But we, we, we run to others, and we think that's what's going to satisfy. Then we run to the world. And as we said last week, the world is a tricky one, right? Because what people will run to in order to try to satisfy their longing are things that God created as good. They're, they're good things, but people have turned them into a God in their life. All right? And then the last thing that we run to is we run to religion. Um, people will run to this all the time. And they, what they do is they say, you know, let me, try to, let me try to earn the favor of God. Let me tip the scales in my favor. Let me be a good man or a good woman so God will bless me. And the issue with religion is that it's outside in. 
let me behave well enough so God will have to give me what I want so God will owe me. That's what religion is. And so those are the four wells that we run to, that people run to, and the conclusion of it is, is none of them work. Not one of them. And all of that was, as we started our journey, was a result of the fall, was a result of sin entering the world and fracturing the universe. And I know we have all probably had our conversations about Adam and Eve and and, and, and we sort of place a lot of blame on them for, for their mistake, their sin, what they had done. And we see all of the negative, right? And we experience all of the negative that came from their decision. Now, what I don't want you to do now, though, is go, man, Adam, I, I can't believe uh, you did. You really made a mess of this thing. Here's the deal. You can't blame shift over to Adam, although it's through his line that sin reigns and rules in the world. Has anyone ever heard that really popular Bible verse that says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? I mean, that verse makes you and I not a victim of Adam's rebellion, but a participant in his rebellion. You and I are not just a victim of Adam's rebellion. You and I have gladly joined him in his rebellion against God so that every time we go, I'll fix it myself, your declaration is, I don't need you, God. I'm better at this. My way is better than yours. And I know that's a crazy way to think. Don't get me wrong. And we would never, we would never say that out loud. But when we go, I don't need you, God. I can better it myself. That's what we're saying. Whenever we run to others and we try to find the satisfaction that only God can bring, your accusations, your rebellion against God is, God, I don't want you. I want it my way. I don't want your way. And no, we would never say that out in the room uh, and, and wide open, but everyone in here today is guilty. Every single one of us, and we're not just victims of sin. We, have, we are active participants in it. And see, uh, I kind of warned you, right? We weren't going to get off uh, by, by not, you know, if you missed last week, you're not getting off easy, all right? We're, we're rehashing some of the bad stuff. Now, with all of that being said, I, 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 want us, I want us today to really get to the bottom of this issue, really get to the heart of it. Uh, Mark 7 is where we'll pick up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 14. And, and Brother Cody, if you can throw this up on the screen. I'm reading out of a different version, but Mark 7 and beginning in verse 14, the Bible says, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? 
Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from, everybody say within, within, and they defile a person. What you have happening in this text is you already have some grace that is present in the people who are listening to Jesus teach because those people are aware that they are unclean. They're like, man, he's been reading my text. He's been reading my emails. Let me say this to you this morning. If you feel that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you feel that you have fallen short of the glory of God, if you know today that you are in need of some help, if you have some depression, anxiety, fear, if you're struggling with addiction, if you have some loneliness that you're dealing with or in despair, that might just be Jesus trying to work on your heart today and set you free from all of that. See, a lot of times we like to resist the pain. But pain is there for a reason. Pain for us is something that has to be solved. we got to figure out why we're dealing this. A lot of times we see no real value in it. Uh, anybody who has ever trained or tried to train their body knows that there is an aspect of pain that is involved to getting stronger and to growing more healthy. Things have to be torn down in order to be built up. And the same is true about how God shapes people and molds people. He's talking to people in the text who understand they are unclean. Some of us, we don't understand that we are unclean. We don't even like to hear that word in the, in the text. And in this text, when people realize they're unclean, here's what they do. They tend to go to, they tend to go two ways. Two ways. And the first way is this. Again, religion. I feel, I feel unclean, so let me do the religion thing to, to fix it. And as we talked about last week, religion is basically running to ourselves with an amen hat on, all right? Because we never make it about God fixing us. It is always us fixing ourselves, all right? And, 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 and rather than leaning into God for help and salvations, it's I'm going to fix me so that I can make God not destroy me. The people that Jesus is teaching right now, they have dietary laws, cleanliness laws. They can't eat certain food. They have certain ways to wash before they can eat. They literally believe that you could eat something or not wash particular way before you ate something or went into the temple or synagogue that would then make you unclean. So again, it was something outside of you that could somehow make your soul on the inside dirty. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Don't you see? Don't you understand? Understand, don't you see that's not how it works? Jesus says, whatever goes inside of you, you process it and you get rid of it. How about that science lesson right in the middle of the text? 
what goes inside of you, and he's saying you got it all wrong. Jesus was saying what is unclean is already inside of you. The sins that you find yourself in the middle of is not what has made you unclean. You don't do sinful acts and that makes you a sinner. You are a sinner, so you do sinful acts. That is huge for us to understand. Here's why. Here is why I'm going to make myself a better person is never going to work. What we just read in the text is this, and really the heart of the problem. It's the problem of the heart. Hey, up here, we're the problem. Our heart is the problem. It's not outside of us. It is in us, which is why we can't solve the problem. And we have this problem sometimes where we just try to treat the symptoms rather than getting down to the root problem. And we place band-aids over a place that actually is in need of stitches. And through all of our trying, our heart is never transformed. It's never in the process of being transformed. Church, when it comes to our souls, we can't afford just to mow over the weeds, but we've got to get down to the root problem. We got to get down to the root issue. We got to get down whatever reigns and is ruling in our hearts will always overflow into our actions and into our attitudes. And religion is the way that a lot of people go. And and it's not going to work. It's never going to work. It's not going to work because whatever reigns and rules on your heart will always overflow out into how you respond, how you say something, how you treat somebody. It will, it will, it will lash out at an attitude, an attitude towards something. For some people, religion is not going to be their choice, though. Remember, they run two different ways. One is religion. But for some, when they feel unsatisfied, they don't do the religion thing. You know what they do? And they get really good at it, is we have learned to play the blame game right? We have a problem in our society when no, where no one will own up to anything. It's always somebody else's fault. It was their fault. I didn't do this. I inherited this. It, you know, this, this, was, this was their decision. You know, somebody else is responsible for this. And in Mark chapter 7, Jesus is deconstructing that thought altogether. He literally in the text is going to outline things nobody can make you do but you. I want to look at it again. Verse 21, Jesus said, for from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts. Let's just stop there. I can't do it for every single one of them, but evil thoughts. No one can make you think evil thoughts. No one. No one. Somebody be like, man, do you, you, you know my friend Dave? You don't know who I work with. You don't know my cousin, man. You don't know if any, you know, that, that person, they can make me think some evil thoughts. No. There are all sorts of, listen, we're in a fallen world. People can betray you. People can hurt you. I mean, would anyone in this room who is not a one-year-old not raise their hand and go, man, I've been hurt? 
I've been betrayed. There are people that have done things to me that have absolutely bothered me. It's absolutely true. We've all, we've all experienced that. And for some of us, that abuse has been serious. That neglect has been serious. That betrayal has been gut-wrenching. But listen, no one controls what you think but you. No one. No one controls what you think but you. And we have the opportunity to arrest our thoughts. We can literally go, nope, that's not true. That's not right. I'm not dwelling on that. We decide what we dwell on. We don't like this. We like to play the blame game, though. I think the clearest place you see this, see, oftentimes, I, I, and I've heard people say this, and you probably have too, people say, you know, I'm not a liar. I just lie every once in a while. So you're a liar who doesn't lie, right? I'm just rewording it and giving it back to you so I can, I can understand what's really going on because it confuses me, right? No one would call themselves a liar. No one. No one in here would say, yeah, I'm a liar. But we lie, right? We lie. And this is the game. It's madness. No one causes evil thoughts in your mind, but you, we let them go. We let them run rampant, and we run with those. It's, what is it, Bryce? It's our heart that is the issue. It's our heart. And, and, and again, as I ended last week, am I saying that we're all just damned, that there is, there is nothing that we'll be able to do about the fullness issue that we're desperately searching for? Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying, unless... You and I are damned this morning unless there is what I'm going to preach about, some good news, unless there is an answer. So if our heart is the issue, Bryce, how do we manage our hearts? If our heart is the problem, if really the real issue in your life and mine isn't our marriage, if it isn't the addiction, if it isn't our struggle, if it isn't our loneliness, isn't our depression, if the real issue is our hearts, then how do we fix that? How do we reconcile that? How do we make it all right? Romans 5 and 6. This is what Paul said. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time, while we were still weak. I love that verse. I love, I, I, I love that all of us in the room today has a different story about how God got a hold of our lives, of how he showed up and how he rescued us. Hear me today. No matter if you were raised in church or not, we all have a story of how he got a hold of us. And it's a great story. And I love to hear those stories. Some of us, we were weak, but at the right time, he came in and he rescued us. He showed up. He wasn't late, but the Bible says in due time, he showed up right on time. At the right time, he stepped in and he rescued you and he rescued me. I just want to tell you today, 
And it's already been confirmed through everything that's going on this morning that he is the answer, that Jesus is the remedy. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the answer to the soul satisfaction question. I know it's sometimes difficult for us to comprehend sometimes the magnitude of what Jesus did at Calvary that the God of heaven put on skin and bone. He came to earth visiting fallen flesh and even becoming one of us. And then he laid down his life, his human life for us. Forever now, the sin problem has been solved. The work of Jesus is so entirely perfect that is the very substance of the gospel because without his work for us, we can expect no work to be done in us. And hear me today, he did not suffer for personal gain. He did not suffer for personal fame, but he suffered so that you and I could have eternal life one day. He is what what is missing in your life he is here today and he is what your soul is searching for it's what you're longing for that that space inside your heart inside your soul that just can't seem to be filled by all of these outward things and good things. I'm not saying they're bad things, but we're run to them and we're trying to find fulfillment that they will never deliver. That empty feeling deep down inside of you, friend, can only be filled by Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing else that will satisfy. You can, you can experience a temporary satisfaction, but nothing lasting. Because Monday morning comes to us all. Tuesday morning happens to us all. There will be a time when what satisfied us will eventually fade. Jesus never fades. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, one of the things I've heard the world say, and I just, I just, well, I just agree with them. And, and they're trying to slam us whenever they say it, but it's, 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 it's true. And you've probably heard it said, Christianity is a crutch. Christianity is just a, it's just a crutch. And I'm like, absolutely it is. Because my, I don't know about anybody else, but my legs are broken. And I need this. I need, I need that crutch to lean upon. I need Jesus. The world will say it's weak-minded. I'll say, I do have a weak mind. That's why Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, is Christianity a crutch? You better believe it is. We are crippled absolutely every single single one of us for when we were yet without strength Christ died for us it's my prayer today that people would open up their eyes to their weakness and that they would lean on the crutch instead of hobbling around in this life and hobbling around on that thinking that's what's going to hold them up. That's what's going to satisfy them trying to do it all by themselves. Hear me today in our weakness his strength is perfect God loves weakness. Our culture hates it. For while we were still weak, and I'll ask our music to come. Paul said, while we were still weak at the right time, 
Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Listen to verse 10. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I don't know how these verses fall on your heart, and I realize there's a lot of distraction going on. And but when I hear verses like this, I think in our active rebellion against God, while we were, hey, when I say we, we, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. I don't know about anybody else, but that's huge to me. If you struggle today with being able to run hard after the Lord because you feel unworthy, the Apostle Paul here is saying, hey, listen, when you are at your worst, weak as you were, the enemy of God, at that moment, God intervened. And he rescued you. Then he goes on to say, won't we then be saved much more by his life? God hasn't saved you to leave you in that spot which he saved you, but rather to mature you and to sanctify you. How does he do that, Bryce? He gives us new hearts. We are given new desires in that new heart. We have new desires. We begin not to like this and, and want more of this. All of a sudden, we are, we are loving being faithful to the house of God. There are some who used to remember, we used to just sleep in every Sunday, sleep in over the weekend and stuff. We didn't have time for church. Now, all of a sudden, we have a desire to be in the presence of God. We begin to like certain things and want more of something. That We begin to participate in this and have our hearts broken all the while, desiring more of this. And immediately... Upon justification, upon being made right by God, we are given by God new appetites, new desires, new longings that, hear me today, God will satisfy. And Paul wants to continually remind us, therefore, God in the Scriptures wants to continually remind us. It becomes imperative for us to know this. While you were enemies, 
Christ died for you. While you were an enemy, Christ, when you were weak at the right time, He saved you. Hey, you might have walked in here today feeling just completely depleted spiritually. Maybe physically. Weak. Weak-minded. Troubled about something. You might have walked in here just like that. But can I tell you that God has a plan for those of you in your weakness? God, by his life, by his resurrected life, I believe is going to transform some hearts here today, some lives here today. And he's going to use you in ways that you never even imagined. This is the good news. This is the gospel, the good news. When you were at your weakest at the appointed time, God rescued you. This is the good news that's invading dark spaces. Are you in rebellion today? Absolutely. God's response to your rebellion is rescue them. Let's rescue them out of that rebellion. Let's pick that to his, his response is to pick us up out of rebellion that is against him. Hey, all of us today, you were pulled out of the muck, out of the mire. I know that you can testify of being stuck. God unstuck you. You can testify of being in rebellion. God pulled you. God cleaned you up. We didn't clean ourselves up. God did it. The gospel is the remedy to the problem of the heart. The only remedy Nothing else. Nothing else will solve it. Stand with me this morning, if you will. <sighs> Nothing else will solve it. But still, there's a lot of people that are just continuing to run. Trying to solve it. Trying to find fullness. Trying to satisfy. That's why Jesus said, hey, the thief, the thief, this is why the thief comes. Here's why I have come. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Other places, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Psalms 107 would have us know, for he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul, he fills with good things. Psalms 22 says, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. And then Psalm 16, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And oh, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I realize God has moved in this service. God has spoken this service. And we've responded in praise and worship. I'm going to ask us right now to respond in prayer.
Because the invitation this morning is to come. The invitation this morning is to stop running. Stop running in the wrong direction. Stop running to the wrong wells. Stop running to the places that won't satisfy the desires of your heart, but come to the right well. Come to the right place. Come to the one that has an open invitation that, hey, are you weary? Are you burned down? Come, come. The invitation is to come where we can find fulfillment, where we can find rest. Stop running. Stop running to the wrong places, but run to the one who desires to give us fulfillment, who desires to give us a new heart. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.